What do you, uh, what do you expect? I wonder, if you ask yourself the question, uh, what did you expect Christianity, Christianity, what did you expect your faith to be like? Salvation, uh, the work of Jesus, uh, what, what did you expect it to be like? What's the picture in your mind? Because um, I think everyone comes to this question with a, a different answer, with a slightly different answer, a different set of expectations. Um, perhaps, uh, perhaps words like uh, prosperity or blessing or peacefulness or people who sacrifice their lives for you, maybe that comes to mind. Um, sadly, if you read uh, some Christian literature, you might come to think that's what Christianity is. Christianity is to you... Um, prosperity of your life, uh, an expansion of your life, um, a, a, uh, a series of um, fortunate events that come your way. Um, it's a great movie, by the way. Uh, it's fascinating. Uh, perhaps your faith is just another um, component of your life. Maybe, um, you know, providing it doesn't encroach on the other areas of your life, you'll go along for the ride. You know, providing it doesn't affect your money too much or your comfort too much or your pleasure, um, providing you can still enjoy all of the things that you want to enjoy, I'm good with Jesus. I'm down for it. You know, I'll go along for the ride, but when things get a little bit too close uh, to some of the other things that I like to serve, then, uh, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a bit of trouble. Um, I might remove myself from community and, and abandon faith altogether. Um, perhaps you, you come to church sometimes, perhaps you come to a gathering where, where, where God's body gathers together and you question why they want to be so involved. You know, it's like, not only do you want me to give my time and effort, but you also want me to give my money? It's like, what's going on? Like, how, how involved is this thing? And you want me to care about all these people? I mean, I hardly know them, right? It's like, you really want that? The expectations seem pretty high here. Um, and after all that, you go and preach a dud message and the bass player hits a wrong note. I mean, really? Like, like, really, what are you, what are you wanting from me? Um, it's almost like you want me to think that Christianity is an entirely new way of living. An entirely new way of living. It's, like, it's almost like we're a part of an entirely new kingdom. And our, our whole lives are caught up in that. Every part of us is transformed and renewed by that. You see, I think, we, um, I think we misunderstand the reality of God's kingdom. And in our misunderstanding, we choose rather to build our own kingdoms. You know, I can balance this. I can be a part of God's kingdom and I can also serve uh, the other kingdoms that, that I choose uh, at my own preference. But God's kingdom is not what we think it is. It's not always what we expect I wonder if I um, just ask one more question in, in uh, wrapping up this. How would you understand the gospel? If you were sharing the gospel with someone, how would you understand it? Would it have the word kingdom? Would that word kingdom or church, would that be in your understanding of the gospel? Um, you know what that gets at? I think, it, I think at times um, Christians have taken an understanding of an understanding of personal salvation so far that we lose an understanding and a theology of God's kingdom. Because my faith is all about my personal salvation and it's on my terms when I want how I want it to happen. So the moment you try and rope me into something bigger than that, it's just going to be difficult and I'm going to be, there's going to be a bit of squirming and discomfort. 
Um, so it's, I, I want to look at this morning, I want to reestablish an understanding of the gospel of the kingdom and how it transforms all of our lives. Um, open up to Acts 1, 6. I'm going to read uh, from verse 6 to verse 11. You want to stand up while we read God's word together this morning? This is Acts chapter 1, verse 6. So when they'd come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Be seated. Uh, last week, we, um, we looked at a story of Jesus um, just um, shortly earlier than this in terms of the, the chronology of the story. Um, in the end of Luke, so Luke wrote Acts, so this is just sort of butts right on to um, where we were last week. Um, and Jesus revealed himself to these two disciples um, walking the road to Emmaus, and uh, he revealed that the big, um, the big uh, message from last week was that Jesus isn't the Messiah that they expected. Uh, that his redemption wasn't the kind of redemption they expected. Um, it wasn't merely overthrowing a nation politically and freeing them from the Romans and liberating Israel to, to rule as God's people, but it was a completely different redemption in, uh, and better in every way. Um, rather, it was overthrowing the evil in their hearts um, to free them to be reconciled to God uh, as, as his new family. So, so Jesus was not the saviour that we expect. And today, um, he's not the king that we expect either. Verse 6, When they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Um, again, this is the, the same tone as last week. These men, um, his followers, had a different expectation of what the Messiah was doing. Um, political power, overthrow the Romans, uh, free us, free your people, God, to live um, in peace and prosperity as your chosen people, right? The promised land, those pictures of the Old Testament um, freedom. Um, and Jesus responds to them, verse 7, He said to them, It's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority. Now, this is an interesting response. Notice that He doesn't say, no. He doesn't say, they say, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He doesn't say, no, I won't. But he, he, in a, he sort of, it looks like he dodges the question. Um, and in, in his response, he implies, yes, I will restore to the, the kingdom to Israel. But three things. It's not the kingdom that you think. It's not the people that you think. And it's not in the manner that you think. Firstly, it's not the kingdom that you think. Um, I'm not restoring a political kingdom. What I'm doing here, what I've done through my death and resurrection, um, through my life and, and my living as the true human, my model, uh, it's not a political kingdom. It's not a kingdom that overthrows and conquers, 
Rather, it's a kingdom that serves and gives and sacrifices. For all this talk about being on the winning team, we need to remember that the winning team isn't God versus the world, right? It's not God versus sinners, it's God versus the enemy. Our sin, Satan, death. We're on the winning team as in God has overcome our sin and he's overcome Satan, he's overcome the evil one and now, uh, now we as God's people um, go into the world. You're on the winning team, so now you get to serve. That's what the winning team does. We get to stoop low and we get to be just like the king who liberated us. That's not a boastful thing, right? The winning team isn't like a, aha, suckers, look where I am. I'm on the winning team now. You know, sucks to be you, stuck as a slave in sin. That's not the response of the winning team, is it? No, it's service and it's love and it's sacrifice to those who need it most. Think about the stance of the church culturally. What's the tone of our kingdom? Should it be a tone of judgment? Or pride? Or arrogance? Do we really know it all? Do we really have all the answers? No. Just to clarify, no. That's not the tone. Number two, Israel, not the, uh, uh, the, new na- the new nation of God after the cross. They're not the people that you think. So it's not the kingdom that you think. It's not the people that you think. Because of the cross now, God's kingdom isn't reserved for a select people group. It's not uh, reserved for that anymore. It's for the whole world. Who qualifies for this now? Is it good behavior that qualifies someone for God's Kingdom, is that what makes you one of God's people? Is it respectable appearance? Is it compulsory service and attendance? Is that what it means to be a part of God's kingdom? Absolutely not. It's those that we don't think. It's the people that we don't think that the kingdom is for. It's the sick, not the healthy. It's those who need a doctor. It's those who know they need help. It's the poor. It's the weak in spirit. The downtrodden, it's the meek. Are these the characteristics of our church? Are we poor in spirit? Are we the meek? Are we those kind of people? Or are we, um, we healthy? Have we got it together? It's not the people that you think. And number three... Uh, Jesus doesn't do it in the manner that you think. The greatest in the kingdom is the weakest. The one who loves and serves the poor. Such a countercultural message, isn't it? That just goes against everything else that culture is teaching us. We embody God's kingdom when we respond to evil with love and peace and forgiveness. That's not the first thing that comes to mind, is it? Evil uh, comes and tempts us to respond in a particular way and we embody God's kingdom most clearly when we respond like Jesus responded. How did he respond to evil? Well, he gave his life as a sacrifice. He died. It's not right. Overthrow it, Jesus. Crush them. Do away with them forever. 
That's not the kingdom of God. Rather than a powerful, militaristic kingdom, Jesus brought one of love and meekness. This is so counter to what Jesus' followers expected. Verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit comes in power upon His people to make them witnesses to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God come to us through Christ and His sacrificial death to restore people to God, to renew all of creation through Christ's victory over evil, death, and Satan. The gospel, whoa, sorry. The gospel, the air just really wanted to come out then. The gospel is the good news of God's kingdom. That's what the gospel is. That's the gospel message. There is a new king who has come to liberate lost and dead people. You will be my witnesses. What's the message of the witnesses? The gospel is the good news of God's kingdom. There's a king who became the true human, who perfectly obeyed and submitted himself to God in everything that he did. He lived the perfect life as the true human. There's a, a, the new king who became just like me so that I can become just like him. There's a new king who ushered in a new kingdom of love and service and humility. And there's a new king who will one day usher in the fulfillment of this kingdom. And this kingdom is the place where God reigns over his people for their good and his glory. That's the message that we're given to take to humanity. We are the messengers of this gospel. Verse 8 Jesus just totally changes the tone of the whole, the whole conversation, doesn't he? It's like, are you about to restore your kingdom to Israel? Is that, is that what's happening here? And Jesus dodges that and he says, but you will be my witnesses. You're going to receive power from my Holy Spirit and you're going to be my witnesses. That's what we're doing now. Yes, yeah, this is the thing. Yes, I will one day completely restore my kingdom, but not the kingdom that you think, not in the way that you think or with the people that you think. In the meantime, as for now, we carry the gospel just as Jesus did. And Christ commissions us in this. Invite everyone to give their allegiance to the king, to the king who defeats death with his love. This is what it looks like where Jesus reigns. The church. The church. Us, God's people. His body. The gathered people of, of Jesus uh, are a witness to this kingdom. You go, wow. I mean, sometimes, Matt. You know, like sometimes there's a whole bunch of other stuff that happens that isn't the greatest witness. Yeah, that's true. And we're not quite there yet. And Jesus will come and he will fix everything. But in the meantime, we are the witness to the kingdom of God. Self-sacrificial marriages. Restored relationships. Service of the poor and the needy. Redemption of sinners and sufferers. The church is the witness to God's kingdom. There's this um, beautiful scene in Isaiah where he talks about this messenger um, running um, to Jerusalem and, and, a, and a watchman catches the glimpse of this messenger 
And this messenger's running with good news. He's got good news that despite Israel's ruin and despite most of them being carried away into captivity, God still reigns and he's coming to restore them. And I'll read it. It says in Isaiah 52, 6, Therefore my people shall know my name. Therefore in that day they shall know that it is I who speak, here I am. And listen to this little um, beautiful uh, poem. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy, for eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Jesus was the messenger, right? Jesus did this for humanity. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. That's how he kicked off his ministry, right? He's tempted in the desert. And then, he, and then, and then uh, the, the beginning of uh, Matthew begins with, and he went about preaching the good news of the kingdom. And what was the gospel of Jesus? Throughout all of the Gospels. What was the Gospel of the Gospels? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. God is coming to reign among His people. To reign over their hearts. To abide with them. To restore them to Himself. He's not coming with a sword to kill and wipe out. And force submission. But He comes with peace. And kindness. And, and grace. Now, now... Just listen to this for us today, here. Do we, have, um, do we have beautiful feet? Do we have beautiful feet? Now, not, not literally, because I can answer that question. There's not many beautiful feet in the world, all right? They just, they just don't exist. Most feet are really ugly, and that's okay. A new king will come one day and restore that. But for the... Re- for, the, for the, the metaphorical beautiful feet, do we have beautiful feet? Is that uh, the way that culture would describe the church? Or is it behavioral modification? Get your life together. Stop being a clown. This is what it means to follow Jesus. Here. Here's the box. Just fit into this. This is what it means to be a part of his kingdom. Maybe sometimes we think from the outside in, Right? So think about it the wrong way. Or, or, or maybe, um, maybe it's, you know, what's our message? Oh, Jesus is pretty good. You know, you should, you should consider following him. You know, you should have a think about it. Maybe sometimes his kingdom isn't all that important to us. You know, it's got a place among the rest of our lives. And it's, uh, he's pretty good. Like Jesus is, um, yeah, he's, he's quite a guy. Is that, is that beautiful feat? Is that a redemptive message for humanity? How do we tell the world about the kingdom? Do we have beautiful feet? Let me, um, let me just think about this practically for a moment. And this is just planting a few seeds for the series that's to come. Um, we have to apply the gospel to our culture. To the world that we live within. We carry this message not to a generic uh, a canvas, but we carry this message to specific people in specific circumstances within a specific culture. And how do we apply it? We apply it from the inside out. What, what is the good news of the kingdom for? Well, it's for the deepest parts of our humanity. This is what the gospel does. It renews us internally. 
Now think about this, and, and we'll think about this in community groups um, during the week. What are the deepest parts of our humanity that are corrupted? Where do we need renewal? Where do we need redemption most? I, I want to suggest that one of the areas are, and, uh, is our identity. Is who we are at our, at our most inner core. The things that we understand about ourselves. The way that we perceive ourselves. Our desires. You can't trust your desires, can you? You need someone to govern them. To renew them. To rule over you for your ultimate good. Let me just, let me just plant one little seed here and then and we'll move on because it fits really well with um, what we talked about just earlier um, how do we tell the good news of the kingdom to our culture well here's one example one of the stories that we live within in our culture is self-expression you are your desires right so you, you could call that a cultural narrative that's a that's a story that people live within um, and, and the truth is that a lot of us live within that same expression. You are your desires. I'll give you just one cultural uh, touchstone that you can go and you can watch after this and you can ruin your Sunday. And it's called Frozen. The, 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 the main song, and I'm really glad that uh, my, my daughter isn't here because um, she would erupt into spontaneous singing and not godly singing, the main song, listen to the, 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 the lyrics of the main song. I didn't actually write them down because I know them, right? Let it go, let it go, don't hold it back anymore. Sorry, can't hold it back anymore. Let it go, let it go. Uh, t- t- something about walking out the door, turn your back and turn your way and slam the door, right? Like there's the whole, that whole song, you were the wrong demographic. You're being, no, that's okay, that's it, it's, it's affected us all now, right? Um, the cultural narrative that we live in is self-expression. I can't hold this back anymore. This is who I am, right? I'm, a, I'm an ice queen and everybody needs to know about it. And the only way for me to actually know... And ex- no, I'm talking about the movie. I'm still talking about Frozen here. <laughs> the only way that I can actually truly be myself to truly... Uh, to, to truly form my identity is to express these desires within me. And one of the tones more specifically in culture is my sexual identity. Now, we're not going to dig into that today, um, but just think about that. That's the cultural narrative. I am my sexual desires. That's who I am. And what's the good news of the kingdom to that? That's the real question that we need to wrestle with. So instead of going to culture and saying, here's the box that you need to fit within, the kingdom of God's come, now just squeeze through here and we'll just grate all of that off and you're good, you're redeemed. Ta-da! Our external transformation. We need to really wrestle with, what's the good news of the kingdom from the inside out, internally? What does it do to our desires? What does it do to our identity? The problem is our desires are at war. I'm really looking forward to coming back to them. The truth, the good news of the kingdom, that the question, right, the cultural question that we have, is there an allegiance that would be worth you giving up your personal expression for? Think about it. Can you think of an allegiance that would be worth you sacrificing, you giving up your personal expression 
and we say wholeheartedly, yes, there is a good king who restores people's identity and he gives them a new heart. He gives them new desires. He reorientates their hearts toward him. There's a new kingdom. There's a new king and there's a new kingdom that's come and is coming where his rule will be a rule of perfect wholeness, of shalom, of complete wholeness and peace. And in in it, in this kingdom, everything's going to be restored. How beautiful are your feet as a witness to the gospel of the kingdom? Verse 9 to 11, just in concluding here. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. These uh, these two angels, look, Christ is going to come. Now go. All right? Like, let's just keep it really simple. Christ has just ascended. He's he's had a resurrected body and he's gone back to heaven now. He's going to come again. End of discussion. All right? Like, you can stare there and you can stare and and sit uh, in your gatherings, staring at the sky, waiting for Jesus' return for as long as you like. But let's just close the discussion. Christ has come. Now go. That's it. Full stop. He's coming again. All right? Christ will come. Now go. He's going to come. He's going to inaugurate a new kingdom. He's going to eventually come and bring about this complete restoration of all of the world and all of humanity and all of creation. And he's going to reign over his people for eternity. So go. The doors are wide open. Go tell the good news of the kingdom to everyone. The world was broken by sin. We were broken by sin. And Christ comes as our good king to restore order to our chaos to bring righteousness where there is sin, to bring order, to restoration, to bring redemption to our sin and suffering. Christ, our King, will return. This is our great hope, isn't it? We feel the tension of how we live now. Yeah, there's a new kingdom. Yeah, and yeah, Christ calls me to live all of my life for His kingdom, for this new King. Um, but, man, there are still so many other things that are tearing me in other directions, that are demanding my attention, the attention of my desires and, and my allegiance. Christ will come. He will come and He will rule for eternity. Just rest in that. In your going, in your, in your uh, activity, in your moving towards culture with the good news of the kingdom and you're moving into dark places, into need and brokenness and hurt. Take the hope of that. Christ is coming and He will restore everything. Mourn the brokenness of it now, but cling to the hope that is to come. Complete restoration, complete peace. Daniel um, 7, 13 gives us this beautiful picture of Christ's Return. I saw in the night visions 7.13, And behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom 
that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Your uh, allegiance to your investment in your service of God's kingdom is service to a kingdom that will never be destroyed. It is a really good investment. That is a very, very good and very wise allegiance. So when you are torn about your life and about the things that you will serve and sacrifice for, consider the eternal kingdom that will never be destroyed. The band can come up now. We're going we're gonna to close and we're going to sing to Jesus. We have a great hope knowing we serve a good king who will one day make the world right again. Let us, let us, his people, his messengers, his witnesses, let us take his call um, as his followers to the world to sacrifice our lives for the expansion of his reign that we might see his kingdom go forth. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus, would you, um, would you now help us to respond to your word? Help us to, to think uh, and reflect on um, this little glimpse we have of this moment in your resurrection. That you will restore your kingdom, but not in the way that we think. Not in the way that we expect with the people that we expect or in the, in the manner that we expect. Holy Spirit, um, would you remind us that you are actively at work inside of us as your people to make us witnesses. That's why you give us power. That's why we have received power to be witnesses to a good king who liberates us. So as we sing, as we respond now, as we look to your sacrifice, as we look to the cross and the resurrection, and would you renew us in this? Would you renew us in the truth of your word? To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see Him, even those who pierced Him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of Him. Even so, Amen. Be blessed.